The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And the only place you can hear the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho, it's Duff McKagan calling you. Just going into New York from JFK uh, after an eight-hour delay from New Orleans. You know about that stuff. Uh, you know, i got to tell you, a friend of mine went into the doctor. He said, doctor, doctor, I, I, I think I'm a cowboy. The doctor said, well, how long is this going on for my friend said, about a year. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Been going for about a year. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes great. Sometimes brutal. That was brutal. But we love you, Duff. Uh, thank you for always being, uh, well, consistent, shall we say. Every Friday, you get the Duff McKagan joke of the week. And Duff and Guns N' Roses are headed to South America next year, headlining Lollapalooza in Chile, Argentina, and Brazil. And uh, Slash confirmed that the band is working on new music. So maybe that's coming out next year as well. Huge, huge Guns N' Roses news and huge, huge news today. What I can tell you for sure is that Enzo and Cass are back in a big way. They're uh, Cass XL and NZO now and they're telling their stories today on talk is jericho they're both fired uh, at different times from wwe and then Cass battled some addiction issues he suffered a, a seizure at a signing in public but he's made a tremendous recovery enzo and Cass also had a big falling out and didn't speak for over a year so they're talking about everything that happened to them what got them back on the road to recovery got them back into the business and what they think of the indie scene a real candid conversation with them we're here with uh, Big Cass and Enzo. Uh, what's the names now, though? Enzo and Kaz XL. Kaz XL. XL. So how, we how got can the monikers st- of Real One and XL right. and Enzo and Kaz. How can you still be Enzo? Well, that's the complication right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I did get a little hiccup in the road. So when I, was, when I first got fired, I had already trademarked and owned Real One. Really? Oh, real one, right? Real yeah. one. Yeah. When I changed my name on Instagram to real one, mm-hmm. I didn't tell the company, but I had already filed trademark and gotcha. copyright on it. And then the WWE did the work for me to get real one as my handle. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's not an easy thing to get, I mm. guess. So they did that for me, but they didn't know that I owned the name and everything. And I was just kind of planning for the future, not knowing when or if ever I would need to. It's uh, it's interesting, though, because both you guys, it's such a whirlwind story of, you know, Enzo and Big Cass, NXT stars come to WWE, 
huge merch sellers, super over working on top main event. We did some stuff cast together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then you go to, yeah, bro. to I opened overall against you one but, night. That's right. I think a month into the business. Yeah. But then you go to, then you go to two Oh five and you take over that show, which I knew you would. It was actually my suggestion. That was, your, that, that was right? all yeah. you. I will give you every bit of credit for that, Chris, because you didn't talk to me about it, but I, but I got caught in a million tweets because you were mm. gone with the company. You had already left. Mm -hmm. People were asking you about the company, what you thought, you know, to revitalize 205 Live and for me to get work mm -hmm. for guys that would allow me to do things to, you know, get the experience. Well, and plus to give the show some some character and nothing against those guys. It's all great, great, great workers, but there was no personalities on that show. And Enzo is a big personality. And once again, you took it over. But pretty much at the same time, both you guys then get fired after about a year, two years. <laughs> it was such a, 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 a and then all these crazy things have happened in your lives during since to where now, you know, and we'll get to this. It seems like you guys are back on track. You're together again. You both look great. But, um, I mean, what a story you've had in the last few years. Yeah, it's been quite the whirlwind. The ups and downs and then the big ups and very big downs. So, I I know for me personally. That's a I've long hit, way down from seven feet. Yeah, <laughs> I've, hit, I've hit some very high highs, but my lows have been, like, very, very low. Right. Yeah. So, let's. So how did you end up getting fired? Because, once again, like I said, I wasn't there. Yeah, um, I, I kind of just lost my mind towards mm -hmm. the end. Um, I was battling with some things, with some mental health issues that I didn't speak up about. Or I didn't tell anybody. There were like two people. Including me. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. you guys weren't talking for a while. You kind of. I didn't care if up. he was dead. You had a falling out. I remember you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't care if he was dead. Yeah, wow. We didn't talk, man. It was yeah. real. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I just was out of control, drinking a lot. Uh, making very, very bad decisions, going off script on live television, mm. which was a very, very big mistake. Really? Yes. That was, was it something to do with like with a little person in yeah. Vince or something? Yeah. I went out there in Montreal, very smart, Mark crowd. Um, and when I, you know, gave the, the little person the boot, I looked out in the crowd. And this segment was designed to get me mega heat, like mega f heat. Mm -hmm. And after I did that, I looked out in the crowd and to be honest with you, I'd say half the people were laughing. Mm -hmm. um, I guess they thought it was funny. I was, and in my mind, I was thinking, this is not what they want behind the curtain. They're like, this was specifically designed to get me like uber, uber heat. So I, then I, I was like panicking because I was like, this is not the reaction they want. So then I did what I felt was right. And um, you continued just, to beat up the little person. Yeah. Right? And it was. When I got back through the curtain, it was uh, very, very bad. It was a bad it. night for me. Oh, Vince was not happy. Uh, that is the, an un, the understatement of the century. Wow. Because he, he doesn't rarely get mad, mad either. Furious. Yeah, he'll get someone else to yell at you, but not him. Usually. No, he was furious. You think that was right. the final straw? That was the first straw. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, rightfully so. I mean, I, that was just such a bad decision. Um, mm. So stupid. And then... Uh, yeah, I think that I I was changing as a human, and I think people started realizing that. Even people I interacted with on a daily basis, years prior, like people that came up with me in NXT or came down to NXT to guest coach or guest produce on like TV tapings, they knew William Morrissey, like the guy, like you, you, the guy that you knew. Mm. I wasn't him anymore. I became a totally different person. I was uh, tremendous anxiety and and just out of control, showing up to TV late, like. 
things I wouldn't do in a million years, like a year prior, two years prior. And then uh, on the European tour, again, I was out of control, completely just uncontrollable. And um, yeah, I think that 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 was they were like something like they they saw me as a liability and they were like, this is not good. Which is so weird for an act of that. Well, you guys had already broken up as an actor for a guy your size. Yeah. With good look that you have. Mm-hmm. That's why I was saying when you got fired, I was like, well, he must have really done. Oh, I did to, really. To, for that to happen. And I, look, I'll admit it. Like, uh, you know, I know when I've done wrong. And yeah, I really, really. Well, those things too. I mean, and you went through this as well, Enzo. When you get to the big leagues, you know, sometimes you you start losing it a bit. You know, I remember Dude, there's nothing that can prepare you for that whirlwind, especially if you're Enzo and Kaz. How do you I mean, bro? I mean, we walked in the door. Remember, we're green. You know what I mean? Su- yeah, green, right? Super green. Yeah. We walked through the door to one of the biggest ovations that the business had seen on a debut, and we had no idea what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, the whirlwind, the roller coaster ride for the next two years that we went on, nothing could have anticipated. I mean, I wrestled Chris Jericho mm-hmm. in the opener at SummerSlam that year mm-hmm. in my rookie year. Yeah. And, and, and like your debut, you had been on national television every week for many years going into that. Right. We had only been seen on the network. Right. So we came out to that ovation and I like people at home must have been like it was the night after Wrestlemania yeah yeah that European crowd from NXT yeah was it Dallas yeah Yeah. good memory there but people knew you were coming and like you were gonna say when people at home watch these two guys that never seen come with this huge ovation or people in the crowd here he was like well what are we missing I'll clap too who are these guys they must be exactly yeah and that's what happened right off the bat and because you're so good or so big you're so good on the mic. You had this great mix and the catchphrases, which people love, which leads to the merchandise. And suddenly you're one of the top acts, even though ability wise and mind wise, you're not there yet. Very green, very green, green as it can be. But we were so lucky because they knew we were green. Mm -hmm. They didn't overdo it in the ring with people and stuff. And they put us out there with Bubba and Devon right away who called matches to us on the fly for three straight months on the mm-hmm. road. And then every Raw and SmackDown, me and Cass would do the dark match. And whoever that was out there, whether it was you, Cena, Ambrose, Roman, somebody was on our team in a six-man tag match. At the end of every Raw and SmackDown, we did the dark. And it was then that we learned the most. Because you're listening to Jericho call it to you. You're listening to Cena call it to you from the apron. Mm-hmm. The people in the second row can hear it. But you're learning. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- those days were instrumental. Like what we did off TV and stuff to, you know, and get in the ring with guys on live events and stuff, you know. like I remember, uh, like like we were talking about kind of losing the plot of it. And it was one time we were in Europe or something like that. And you were, you, were, he, he, you had a, a, a like a portable speaker attached to your knapsack drinking like a beer or whatever in the airport listening to music drinking and i remember i was like dude come here i know i know you think you're keith richards so so do i but the 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 difference is keith richards owns the rolling stones we don't own the wwe turn it down (laughs) oh oh, chris you're so good to me you know it's funny we said this one time i know you probably saw it x-pac recently came out and said that you're beating me up at the rainbow room And in my mind, I'm like, if Chris ever gave me a noogie or grabbed me in a headlock or started ripping my hair out or something like that, like that was 
I mean, yeah, I think I just punched you in the shoulder hard or something like that. Bro, I mean, probably every day. <laughs> like, I don't know. No, but I, I could see it coming because, like I said, I've been there before and I've seen guys do this. And I could tell sooner or later it's going to come to a head. Now, with you leaving the company with, with, with all the other shit that happened. but No, but that's it, man. And that was what Hunter was fearful of. So I don't blame Hunter for being the guy that wanted me gone when mm. shit hit the fan because he didn't want me in that situation where it could happen. Right, you, put you know yourself, what I'm saying? Yeah. I put myself in the situation where something like that could happen to mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm. and he knew that that would be potentially happening. Now, Chris Jericho at the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert backstage, you've been to that dance a hundred times, brother, mm-hmm. and you know probably half the band. Enzo's at the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert <laughs> backstage for the first time, and he's getting lit up, and he's having That's the right. time of his life. I'm not thinking about nothing. You put yourself there. So my thing is that I came out and I said, I'm not apologizing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got a target on my back and I'll own it. Um, I put myself in that situation. I own it. And I'm sorry for the people that I disappointed with the outcome of the situation. But I didn't go into a situation thinking that, you know, that was even a possibility. And and, and that's my fault because mm-hmm. you need to have that thought in the back of your mind when you're a celebrity. You're only a celebrity for the first time once. <laughs> and you're only out in the world experiencing it for the first time once. And, and a mistake is a mistake if you don't learn from it. So mm-hmm. now I'm more conscious. You know what that's I right. mean? Right, now you know. And like, and like you were saying, like him on European tours, he was out of control. Come on, you were out of control. Well, and, and, you know, hold people on. hate to see you having a good time. Let me just say that. <laughs> well, yeah. out of control in a way that, like I said, I've been there. I was that in 2005, walking around with my shirt open in the airport didn't give a shit cares yeah rock star and the interesting dichotomy is like everybody would try to come talk to me to to calm him right. down because i was like the model employee i was the guy that followed the rules i wasn't doing shit like that so then when it got to the point where on that european tour after i came back i became that guy that's when people were like this is weird yeah because that's not the guy I know. You that, changed, yeah. I changed big because I was always the calm guy. I never met that employee. guy. Mm-hmm. I never met that guy that he's talking about, that mm-hmm. he became. I never even met him. It wasn't until I spoke to people like, you know, who are my homies, like Fergal, like Finn Balor, and they're like, talk to your boy, man. Like, you haven't talked to him in a long time, but you need to talk to him. Samoa Joe reached out to me like, hey, mm-hmm. talk to your boy, man. And I'm like, why? I'm like, I haven't talked to him in a year, but we don't talk. Then Cass called me like four or five times the week before he had the seizure. And when I when he called me four or five times, I turned to my mother and I was I was living with my grandmother who was who was sick and she was passing away. So I, I packed up my bags from LA on a whim, got fired, my dog died, then I found out my grandma had congestive She's, heart failure. It's like a country music song. Yeah, bro. <laughs> so I just I, my grandma had congestive heart failure. I packed my bags and I just drove across the country. And that was why I told you I went to CC, saw him out there at wrestled alligators on a boat with the kid from Tough Enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just took my time with it. But when Cass called me, my mom told me to call him back. Like if he's calling you, he's probably calling you for a reason. And Cass could tell you more than I could. He was I, checking that bucket list, I was, saying goodbye to people. I was pretty much just, I, not, not, it wasn't like, you know, grim or anything. Like I was, you know, going to attempt anything. That's never been the case. It was just, I knew the life that I was living at that point was so unhealthy. You were drinking yourself to death. Drinking myself. So yes. I was pretty much when I called him, like as, as grim as it sounds, I was just tying up loose ends. And, yeah. I, and I, I, I thought, I kind of thought something like the way I was living I I was living so unhealthy, it couldn't go on for much longer. And like the seizure was the wake up call. But in that moment that I called Enzo, I was like, man, let me just 
tie up that loose end because uh you know he was my best friend for for five years before a falling out so what, what was the falling out all about well, we, it was, we, we were we were kind of hating each other for a just long been time. around each other too. Well, much. I, I mean, yeah. you you got you know how it yeah. goes, bro. I mean, you know how it goes better than anybody, and also in the process in the WWE of breaking guys up who are yeah. popular, they're pulling him in a separate room, they're pulling me in a separate room, they're having separate conversations, yeah. they're trying to plant that. You know what I mean? Yeah. At that time, I just you're starting to prepare yourself for your solo career. And Cass is starting to prepare himself for his solo career, and they break us up. And if you remember, Chris, I think I was a month into the business when I came up to you and I asked you about the music. Mm. And I was like, hey, man, you have any advice for how to do the music when mm. you're in the company? You said to me, you're like, hey, bro, you signed that contract. Mm. And the music, <laughs> you know how that works. It's going to have to wait. Yeah. And it's going to have to wait. And so I put it all on hold. When after I talked to you for advice on the music, I literally did not make music. I just mm. put it on hold. Then I got that concussion. And I got knocked out cold on pay-per-view and they didn't tell me if I was going to be able to wrestle ever again for a couple weeks. So I got into the studio right then and there, started making music for a backup plan. Like, mm. I, I don't know, like what happens if I can't wrestle? Like, do I be a manager? Am I a commentator? Do I want to do that forever? So I got in the studio with no plans of dropping that music or anything like that. You know, you get fired. And, well, what am I going to do? do? You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Cass, when you're talking about, you know, uh, making these calls because you thought you were on your way out, because I saw that you did one independent match and you were huge. You, you, I don't know what you weigh now, but you probably were next to 30, 40 pounds heavier. Yeah, I, I probably was probably around the same weight, except oh. I had no upper body size. My arms were like... It was a shock because you see what you looked like before. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what you look like when for six months you just drink. Yeah. And eat shit. Yeah. Like that and not work out. That's what happens when you just watch Netflix. Was it depression because you got fired? No, I was. I have suffered with depression way back in NXT and yeah, anxiety. I mean, when I lived with Cass and we were working, like I, I, I know him better than anybody. Like mm. when you called me that day, I knew you were drunk. Mm. You know what I mean? He can never hide that from me. If right. I, if I, could, I could sense it in his voice. And when he's off, I also know. And we'd be at the apartment, and it might be something that you know happened at home that that set him off mm. and i know that switch and i also know that guy right before we go through the curtain and we were the perfect dichotomy because i would be like bro you kidding me we're going out there we're gonna, we're gonna kill it dude mm. we're gonna we're gonna crush this knock it out of the park we're gonna be the best in the world nobody can touch us how you doing walk through the curtain and he's feeling that right then there at that moment but those are nxt early days mm -hmm. fast forward you got that confidence you built that up and now he's out there and he's crushing it they break us up i don't know what happened yeah, and the, I think that the lifestyle I was living was because I didn't have responsibilities. I was depressed, you know, when I came back. And the only thing that would prevent me from living that lifestyle was I got to get on a flight Saturday morning and mm -hmm. I got to go do a loop. Mm -hmm. So Thursday or Friday, I, would, I wouldn't drink. But now I didn't really, I had indie bookings, but I didn't consider them like a big responsibility at that point. You can show up when you want. Yeah. Do what you want. Exactly. Yeah. So 
so there was nothing stopping me from living that life. And when I was with WWE, I would live that life Wednesday and Thursday and Tuesday night. But then Friday would come around. Shit, I got to fly out tomorrow. Mm. You got to get your act together. But without that structure in my life and that responsibility, I pretty much could do whatever the fuck I wanted. Plenty of money in the bank. Mm. I could live off that shit for years. Enzo knows I don't spend very much. One thing about Cass, I don't know if you guys know, he's an NYU grad, and pretty much everybody in his class is working on Wall Street right now. So (laughs) that money that he made, you know. I did good things with it. Yeah, yeah. And so plenty of money in the bank. I got a few pairs of sneakers, you know. (laughs) Plenty of money in the bank and no responsibilities. Yeah. I want to watch Netflix or HBO Go or whatever and drink all day. I can do that. Right. So that's what I did. That was, yeah. That was your goal and that you've achieved it. Yeah. So what made you finally change your mind? The seizure. What was the seizure from? It was from alcohol withdrawal. So I didn't, so I had no education on that matter. I didn't know that alcohol withdrawal could kill you. Hmm. And the seizure is as far as you can get before you're dead. The seizure can kill you. Sure. I didn't know that you could have a seizure from alcohol withdrawal. Now I know a lot about it because I've researched the, the matter. But I had been drinking so heavily for so long that 13 hours without alcohol in my system put my body into shock. Wow. Yes. So you weren't even trying to quit drinking. You just hadn't drank that day, basically, or whatever. Yeah, because I had to get up and do the signing in the morning at the House of Hardcore show. I started signing at 10 a.m. Let's talk about the significance real quick. You know, Chris, I am a super spiritual guy. I don't know if many people Mm -hmm. know that about me, but like my grandparents and my mother are Eucharistic ministers at church. Mm -hmm. So my mother, she gives you communion if you go to the Catholic church. And I was raised in a house where like mom didn't curse and dad and dad doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't do nothing. My dad's like a, a comic book nerd. My dad likes comic books and action figures and stuff. And here I am, this guy that's, you know, kind of into other things. So uh, I think that this past year allowed me that opportunity for the first time in six years to get away from pro wrestling and get back with family that had been away from me. Grounded you. Grounded me, man. And and just uh, it was such a humbling experience to know that you know like yeah wrestling fans are the best fans in the world and so many of them got my back afforded me the opportunity to put 572 days in between wrestling matches you know i didn't need to get in a ring and wrestle i mean we made some good money in the wwe but more importantly than that like other opportunities to just sign autographs or or uh make music and stuff or do interviews and stuff like i had been at home in in new jersey for the first time since i was 18 you know, I left home at 18 right, and I, sure. I haven't gone back since now I'm 32. I mean, when January hits and my lease ends on a house that I didn't plan on leasing because shit hit the fan, you bet your ass I'm coming back to palm trees, whether that's nah. LA or Florida or Never something. Maybe, yeah. You got to go back to wrestling territory. So, so you got, uh, and going back to, to Cassier, when you had your seizure, that gave you a wake up call to quit drinking? Yeah. In the hospital, they told me that I could have died right then and there. Hmm. Um, with the amount I've been drinking, they were surprised I made it that far. And uh, some asshole, instead of calling 911, recorded it, put it on YouTube. And I, I got friends and family and people in the business and former coworkers Isn't watching. That brutal? What a f- dick. Unbelievable. You know, film it instead of calling. Unbelievable. The, you know, calling to help this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And regardless, so that guy did that. And I got people that know me seeing this video. It's embarrassing. Mm. So, um, yeah. That's when I decided, like, 
this has to stop. That's the rock bottom that you rock hit. bottom, yeah. almost dead. People see you at your weakest moment on YouTube. I don't even know how many views that video has, but I'm sure everybody I know has seen it. Yeah. Hey, uh, whoever filmed that, go f- your ass. Yeah, How's that seriously. Sound? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, did you see it, Enzo? Well, that's the what I wanted to say was I, I'm spiritual, right? right I, sure, I yeah. believe in the numbers quite a bit. You know, when I see eleven eleven, you know, when I see three three three, I know like mm. okay, something's like, going on, right? And if you know about astrology and you're into that shit at all, though, you know, we're in a very significant shifting of, you know, we had a blood moon two days ago and it's kind of crazy energy. Well, Cass, me and him, he got fired a year to the day that we broke up on television. So mm. I don't know if there was like a check on Cass in the notes or something like that, <laughs> Vince's phone, but he got fired a year to that date. On my birthday, he had a seizure. On his birthday two days ago, I had my first match back. Mm. The day that my grandmother died was the day I knew Let's just say I knew that I was doing Madison Square Garden with Big Cass at Reuniting. Mm-hmm. So significant days in my life, extremely significant, that significant things have been happening on. And our life to this point right now is, is just a movie script waiting to be written. Mm-hmm. Um, we're blessed in what the future holds. You know, I have no idea, but I know it's going to be great. But did you see the video? December 8th, my birthday. I'm with my family for the first time on my birthday, sitting there relaxing when tweets start you know mm. tagging me and i see it then i look at my phone and i get a text from bubba ray mm. and uh as i call uncle bubba uncle bubba was like you need to holler at your boy and uh he didn't know that Cass called me earlier that week we had spoke before the, the first, seizure a wow. week before mm. and the very next day that he had the seizure i got in my car that morning and i drove down to delaware and saw Cass for the first time philadelphia philadelphia yeah philadelphia yeah, you had. Then I went to Delaware. Well, yeah, he went to Delaware right after that to, with Doug Lawson. So Doug Lawson is the autograph agent for Michael Strahan, Ray Lewis, Deion Sanders, a bunch of NFL guys. He was at an autograph signing with Deion Sanders when Cass was there doing an autograph signing. He's a big fan of Enzo and Cass. He walks up to Cass and says, "You look depressed. You look out of shape, and I want to help you." Now hmm. imagine you're Cass. You're sitting there like, "Who, Who the are you?" Because <laughs> you? Yeah. you never want to hear that when you know that you're. Right. Out of shape and depressed. And I've never seen this. Yeah, guy, right. It's like when someone says, man, you look tired. You're like, F- you, I am tired. So you don't have to tell me. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, when he came up to me, that was my first instinct was, who the f- is this guy? Yeah. Like, fuck you. Right. But then I got to chatting with him and everything he was saying was right. And he just said, I'm going to get you sober and I'm going to get you in the best shape of your life. Hmm. And that's exactly what he did. Wow. That guy is the man. Yeah, and he's, he, he's he has been instrumental in at this point now both of our careers and in the comeback of wrestling because mind you when i got let go i you know i man to be honest bro i was humbled by my career i just looked at it and i was like bro what happened like how what like i couldn't believe that happened to me so i was like i can't give this shit a sequel dude i'm scared to like Mm -hmm. i don't even want to go back out there and try this again (laughs) yeah like how could i do that again i didn't even know i could do it (laughs) so i was like man i'm done with this bro like like i had a good run yeah you could tell that but i know like in 2005 i left the business because i was burned out hated wrestling didn't want anything to do with it uh, and I didn't watch wrestling for two and a half years. Yeah, I didn't watch anything. No interest. Nothing. Nothing. Then, None. Nothing interests yeah. me at all. I watched Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Yeah, at Royal Rumble. It was, Royal Rumble. Yeah, because uh, Royal Rumble. Because Finn's my homie. Yeah. 
and him working Brock would have been cool for me to see because I, I personally think Brock is killing it. Like that right. match against Finn, selling the, the, the commentators, putting over the diver, Dive jumping, jealous, yeah. and the story they told, I was like so happy for Finn because Brock was selling for a guy that's 180 pounds. Yeah. So well, it was Brock, cool. Brock's good. He knows, he knows Brock his character. Brock is good. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So when you're talking about Doug helping you out, Cass, and how hard is it to kick uh, kick the alcohol? I mean, well, nicotine, tobacco, well, anything he walked. Doug checked the bags when you walk when in When I house. got in this house, he checked, and he threw out fat burners. Oh, so you went to live at his place. Yep. And this he, is like a, a like a, like a a lockdown for you. Pretty much. Yeah. He had cameras and stuff to make sure, like, when he went out to the grocery store that I didn't Go sneak booze in or anything. Yeah, and he has a big gym that he trains college athletes at, you know, and NFL, NFL, NFL guys. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the seizure almost killing me. Like, I, I don't think the, the withdrawal could go any further. So now I'm under constant watch. And uh, even if I wanted to drink, I couldn't. Like, I got there and he went through my bags and I had a fat burner. And, like, he looked at the ingredients and he thought that, like, maybe one of them would be a trigger. Chucked them out like a mm-hmm. fat burner. So I, I couldn't do anything. Nicotine, booze, uh Fat burner. I would call. I would come down there, bro. We would go. I would go down to Delaware with a can of dip, like a log, get gas, escape for a minute. Yeah, chew a chew a big lip in the parking lot, go back into the sober house. So everything, and I know this because I know, like, like my friend Duff from Guns and Roses. Same thing when he his pancreas actually exploded. That was his. Oh, that that was his sign of no more drinking. Oh man! And he had to kick everything. Can't, he said, "I don't even take melatonin on a plane." Live through that? Yeah, he did. But it's like I can't even. You know, Only if you're a rock star. Yeah, yeah, but nothing. You can't take anything because it could be a gateway to going back. Right? right. So, do you ever? Are you, are you totally good with no drinking? You ever totally good it? with no drinking? Like, I don't know if someone was to ask me. In three years, if you're at a Yankee game, do you think you could have one beer and cut it off at that? Yeah, I do. But, like, I don't have any interest in alcohol right now. Mm. Zero interest. And I I could be in a hotel room with a mini bar, and I let it sit there because I can make it through five days in a hotel room and not drink because I just – it almost killed me. There's nothing worse than that. Like, Yeah. yeah. So, like, I look at it, and I kind of despise it. Yeah. It's like my enemy. So, mm. like, I don't – I'm not going to touch that shit. Like, I look at that Grey Goose bottle right there, and it's like my enemy. Like, fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lamp that's made out of Grey Goose bottle. Oh, fuck you up. <laughs> Turn that <laughs> light on, I'm breaking it. <laughs> what, was, uh, what was DDP's uh, role in helping you? So DDP, right after the seizure, called me. Mm-hmm. And we had a long talk, a heart-to-heart. Did, did you know him? Yeah, yeah. so DDP's a guy that I knew. Uh, so um, WrestleMania weekend and, like, pay-per-views and stuff, when you run into Hall of Famers, or or people that you know are in the hotel it's always the you excited for sunday yeah okay yeah, yeah. all right hi goodbye me and ddp would always chat half hour hour and, I'd, uh, I'd always talk to bob backland <laughs> that's that a trip was, that was my guy. <laughs> so we had this connection all like every time we saw each other so then um 
when it uh when I had the seizure, he called me. We had a heart to heart, and then uh, he kept checking in with me. And then after we did the garden in April, the night before WrestleMania, he had heard from somebody that I was sober, in great shape, doing well. So he called me and congratulated me on that. And he's like, all right, now me and you are going to get to work. Uh, we're going to get you back in shape for wrestling, to make a wrestling comeback. Not only that, uh, DDP is like very positive. He has a great mindset. Like He's helped me mentally, emotionally. Like When I go stay with him, it's like a family atmosphere. So we do, you know, we do DDP yoga, we get to work, but at the same time, I feel like a part of the family, we dinner together, uh, me and his family. And so he's helped me, I'd say more importantly on the emotional and mental side of things than the physical, the physical, definitely he's helped me stay in shape, get in better shape, be more flexible, uh, things that I need to perform wrestling wise, but more importantly, he's helped me, uh, like I said, mentally. I think wrestling is a mental game more than well, it ever well, was anything. Well, sure. And so uh, the whole concept of DDP yoga is a very positive mental state. Yeah. Like I always said to anybody that tries it, if you believe it's going to work, it works. And it f***ing really works. Yeah. If you don't buy it, it's not going to work because that, you, yeah, you, have to, you have to want that. So it's good that you had somebody that gives you some positivity because I think that's very important when you're in the so important, you're in, bro. Right? Yeah. And you know, because we worked in the WWE, it's the classic mindset of, oh, don't, uh, it's not good enough, do it again. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not good enough, do it again. Uh, it's not good enough, do it again. That is literally a mechanism for business that is used by corporations around the world to get the best out of their talent, we can call it. Right. So when you're constantly being barraged with, you did terrible or you're not good, or that could play with your psyche, or you could go the other route and say, fire me, mm -hmm. <laughs> go right the f ahead, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when I got into the WWE, bro, I was told I was gonna be fired from day one. And I was told I was gonna be a manager. So I didn't think I was gonna be a wrestler. Mm -hmm. So I wrote promos all day, every day for like six, seven months. And they didn't give me a name which I didn't remember until we just ran into a Lucha, Luchasaurus, right? Yeah, yeah. So me and Cass used to work with Luchasaurus in FCW. We do street team bang posters on walls, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, back in the day, you want to get yeah. you want to get people to come to the show back in FCW. There was no radio yeah. or anything. It was go put tickets at the 7-Elevens yeah. in Fort Pierce and every single telephone pole better be marked when the wrestlers <laughs> drive into town because if they're not the promoter, Alfred and, you know, Steve Kern and Dusty Rhodes are going to shit on you. Like, you, walk, you drove into Fort Pierce. I didn't see any posters on Old any telephone school, poles. Yep, yeah. Exactly. So we were doing that. And I remember when we were in the WWE, I was told I was going to be fired, so I didn't think I was ever going to get a name. You know what I mean? So Mojo got a name like two weeks in. Like Baron Corbin, who came from the NFL, got a week. It got like a name like three weeks later. <laughs> Charlotte gets a name like four weeks later. I get a name seven months later, bro. Wait, you didn't have a name? And tell them why, Cass. Tell them why. Well, <laughs> so good. So when you first get there, you have to suggest like names for yourself. Eleven. Uh, ten names. Ten yeah. Names. It's ten names that you would like. So he was always known as EA all day in all his promos that I'd seen on YouTube before he even came down for his trial. Yeah, this is EA all day. So all of his, <laughs> all of his names that Those he suggested initials. had a first name with an E, 
and a last name with an A, and the best one was by far Esteban Apples. <laughs> <laughs> so so he put ten names with E A. Right. And then it, real, that's a real name is Eric Arndt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And then and then his eleventh name was Canyon Seaman. <laughs> Canyon Seaman was the head of like talent development at that point for, for NXT and developmental. <laughs> so his only name that wasn't EA that he wanted was Canyon Seaman, <laughs> the guy's name that was pretty much our boss. Did you so, know that? Of course. Well, you just chose it. <laughs> it was a joke. I was like, <laughs> they told me that I needed to submit a name that didn't have EA. Right. So I submitted nine names with EA, and one name was Canyon Seaman. Which is the worst name ever, and let's I, be honest. That's a real name, too, by the yes, way. Yes, <laughs> it's a real name of the boss at NXT. <laughs> so when I submitted the name, I thought it would be funny. You know what I mean? Like, I've only been there for three Once weeks. Again, the, the stuff, there I am. The stuff that gets you heat. Without there I that. am. Exactly. You know heat it. magnet, right? Yeah, heat magnet. That is it. I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah, I thought exactly. it was funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, the one time we had a promo class, Dusty Rhodes, dude, Baron Corbin was up there cutting a terrible promo. Baron Corbin was trying to get help, and Dusty was helping him. And I just raised my hand. Everybody looked at me, and I just farted loud as hell. <laughs> they fined me $250, fired me that night. <laughs> and then I got back into work the next day and they rehired me. <laughs> You're like George Costanza. just showed up and ignored the fact you got fired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I so, love that reference. That's right great. There. Yeah. yeah. How, so how did you end up with Enzo Amore then? Is that one? The one uh, yeah. I, I pitched for like seven months, man, and they would not give me the name Enzo Amore. And to me, Enzo, like when I was looking up names, meant like in Italian, number one, head of the house, leader. And then Amore obviously means love. So to me, I'm a big Bob Marley head. Mm. One love. <laughs> so Enzo Amore kind of meant one love in my mind. I don't know if it actually does. You can ask in Italian. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, uh, that, that's also another thing with me, bro, is I like, I'm a huge pothead. And I'm open about it now. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm out of the company and I can talk about it. For six years in the WWE, I was never seen in a picture with a beer in my hand. Mm -hmm. Never. I, I couldn't smoke pot in the WWE for five years. They so fine you for it. They fine you yeah. for it. $2,500. And I was broke. I was started off making $600 a week in the WWE for a year. So I was taking out credit cards just to pay my, you know, bills. Yeah. My, so... When I finally looked at my bank account, probably like six months into the main roster, I was like, you know what? I might, I might could take a fine right now. <laughs> and I lit up a blunt again for the first time. And uh, to me, that is my medicine, bro. Mm. I don't care what anybody says. It is my creation. It is what I do. Uh, I'm not a big drinker. Uh, I was a big drinker when I was in the WWE and I couldn't smoke pot. Mm. When I couldn't smoke pot, now that I could smoke again, and I was living in LA, you know, where it's legal. I was just, man, to me, like drinking wasn't an issue because this was my vice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I see the evil that drinking can do. And to me, I'm mind blown. I'm like, okay, this can kill you. Mm. And it's on the corner of every store in the country. Marijuana, I don't know that a guy has ever smoked a joint, beat the shit out of his wife. You know, like I got hammered drunk, mm -hmm. something happened, but this is legal. So it helped me. I rubbed the CBD cream all over my body when I was on the road in the WWE, and that'll get you fined $2,500. Really? Yeah. Even CBD. Yeah, their testing is so strict. It's, it's really, uh, it's a little bit over the top. 
I think. But, you know, it saved guys, I guess, from, you know, dying. But I don't know what the pot. You got to do the Randy Orton and just give him 25 grand a pop. Go, here's for the next 10. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> Dude, I mean, and that's the thing that a lot of guys don't know is that, like, half the locker room probably smokes pot. Yeah. And why do we do that, bro? You can't do pills. You can't do drugs. If you drink, you might end up like Cass. Whoa, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, we don't, I don't want any of that stuff to happen to me. But when I got a flight for 21 hours, Okay, and I'm looking up in first class, and I see Kane, see Jericho, see, dude, I don't care if I have the cruiserweight title around my waist. I'm not getting a first class seat, bro, so I'm going to humbly take my seat in the back, but for 21 hours on that flight, bro, I'm eating as many edibles as I can in L.A. before we head to Japan, you know? (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So, so now that you, you were gone from WWE, you guys were fun. Now you're reconnected. You're feeling better, Cass. You're feeling better, Enzo. How did you guys reconnect as a team and decide you want to go to get out there again? Well, Enzo, Enzo was adamant about not wrestling. And I mean, that's my best friend in the world telling you this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when I say adamant, when I first saw him again, you know what I mean? And he wants to work and he wants to, and I was like, no, bro. No thanks. And um, yeah, so I guess Enzo on a random day gets a phone call from somebody. The d- it Sing- wasn't a random at, day. It was the day that my grandmother died. Gets a call from someone that works under the Sinclair broadcasting umbrella. And um, then he calls me. If and that's says, not hey, a, you, I, mean, hey, I don't care who you are in pro wrestling, that'll get you up off your ass. Somebody actually from Sinclair or from in Madison Somewhere. Square Garden. Gotcha. Yeah. So, 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 someone from the garden called you. No, no, someone, someone Some, from Sinclair. Someone from Sinclair Broadcasting called me, not cast from Ring of Honor or Ring. from Sinclair. Whatever, Sinclair. Yeah, somebody from that Sinclair. Side of right. Sinclair. Someone from Sinclair. Wow. So, with that being said, and then he they had no back. idea that me and Cass were friends. Everyone in the world to this point thought me and Cass didn't talk. And when me and Cass started talking again, we didn't tell anyone. Right. You know. So then that was when I got that phone call about Madison Square Garden. If you think I didn't show up to Survivor Series to plant a seed to get me back into the ring one day, whether that be two years from now or two weeks from now at Survivor Series, I was setting a tone for what I wanted to do if I ever came back. Mm -hmm. And that was to let the world know I'm crazy enough to show up anywhere. And if you try to fight me, I'm going to fight you. Mm -hmm. And that's what pro wrestling is. That's Conor McGregor picking a fight. That's how we make money in our business. And I'm looking at it from a new light, social media. This is not the WWE. I'm Enzo, but I'm not in the WWE. I'm not in AEW. I'm not in WCW, New Japan. It doesn't matter where I'm. I'm not anywhere, but I have a million followers. I have a voice. And if I want to get back into wrestling, whether that be indies or elsewhere, this is my way of saying, let the bridges that you burn light the way. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. great. You know? Yeah. So he so he immediately called me. A guy that was on the main roster for two and a half years never worked Madison Square Garden. Really? Never. Where you watched every, 
so many shows that's where i went to watch shows as a child that was always my dream even when i went to springsteen or billy joel concerts i would always look at the middle of the arena and picture myself in the middle of the arena in a wrestling ring and um when uh when i was on raw every show at the garden was smackdown when i was still on raw but injured then raw had the garden shows (laughs) so i never got to work the garden and that's bucket list for me of course so when enzo called me and said are you in i said 100 percent. well i don't even think it was that i think when they called me i said this isn't about me this is about getting cast in the garden for the first time ever he'll tell you that yeah it was very important to me because i did the garden and i did it in a way that i never anticipated and uh, it was the best moment of my life, my career. Mm-hmm. So I'm better than WrestleMania, better than anything I'd ever done. You guys in my are New life. York guys, of course. New York guys, yeah. bro. Like you know, like I heard one time, man. There was a there was a rock band that I love, man. That I love. I forget who it was. It might have been. I think it was Hatebreed. Mm-hmm. The lead singer Hatebreed said that he would give up every show he'd ever done in his life to do the Garden one. Jamie, time. yeah, Jamie yeah. Josta, yeah. And I was like, that's it. Like that's how I feel. Like, yeah. that's how I feel. I was a kid. I saw the click reunion in the garden when I was a kid. I saw some incredible matches and things unfold there. And to do it one time was enough for me. Mm-hmm. I had a title match against Kalisto, and Jimmy Fallon was in the front row. And I just kept shit-canning Kalisto and giving him guardrails in front of Jimmy Fallon <laughs> and being like, this could be you, Jimmy. This could be you. And it was like the coolest moment of my life. That's so, great. When I knew that we had an opportunity to do the garden again, I was like, man, this is going to be huge. So how was that night for you guys? Craziest night of my life. One of the greatest nights of my life. That was the greatest night of my life, probably. Also, the craziest night of my entire, hands down. I was looking around the next day, wondering where my grandkids were, because I I felt like a legend and I needed to tell them about it. I got to tell you this. I'll just say it, dude. When we got outside of the garden, so security escorted us all the way. They threw us out like a side door. And uh, uh, I was so amped up on adrenaline. I wanted to do like go back in there and have another fight, even though, (laughs) you know, so. But Enzo was so blown up. He was he was he was like, we can't walk back to the bill because we got dressed in a building our manager's building well, like yeah, three have, blocks away. So we got dressed, got ready there. And then we walked over to the garden to do once we, we got walked the, in the side door, dude, at eight 20, we were on the side of the arena by eight 30. We waited for wow. a text. We waited all night for the text. Finally, we got a text that said, uh, come on over. Oh, wow. so we left and we walked to the garden and I was like, let's just walk back to the, the office. <laughs> I tell you. He said, no way can I walk. So we got in a cab because he couldn't walk the three blocks. <laughs> no, the, cab drive, the cab driver's like, really? Three blocks? And you were dry heaving out the <laughs> side of the cab. But it's been a while. If you watch that video back, this guy was, this guy dude, was working his ass off. That's why when you do a pull apart or like a real fight situation, that always real, blows you, know you up, though. It blows yeah. you up because it's a real. You Bro, feel like it's real. There was only yeah. one way to do that, dude, and it had to I be th- real. I thought it was awesome. It I, was I real. think I texted you after, and I was like, "Dude, dude this you, you is DM me immediately." Yeah, I was, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, thank you, bro." And I said, said it, I said it to Bubba too. Yeah. yeah, like it was so good. Yeah, and it, it, I bring the question now because you guys, uh, for people that didn't see it, you guys were basically came to the crowd and attacked some guys. And the Briscoes, Briscoes. Thing. crazy and thing is, as you know, in wrestling, you got to keep a secret between three people. Sure. Two of them got to die, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you think about it, Chris, it was the smartest 
group of fans in in one arena in the history of our business right the smartest fans sold out that arena based on the fact you the bucks kenny omega were going to be in that card right right then when you guys got AEW, you guys came off that card now they got a debacle on their hands they got to make some noise and they got to figure out a way to make this shit yeah they really kick off well bro in that situation I mean, we literally showed up at 8.20, walked through the side door, didn't see a damn soul, walked straight into Madison Square. We know everybody there, too. Cast of the season, take it hold for the Rangers and, and the and, Knicks. And the Knicks. And the Knicks. And uh, me, I go with Cast to the Rangers game the week before. We finesse everybody there. Mm. We finesse all the security. And they all know us because they know wrestling. <laughs> season tickets to the Rangers, the Knicks, and all the Billy Joel and Springsteen concerts. <laughs> you're like you're like the perfect New Yorker. Yeah, and yeah. I've never worked the garden. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, I've seen Billy there like six, seven yeah, times. Cass month, has right? beat me on that. Yeah. What, 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 um, I guess because it was such a, a cool moment, um, obvious question, why didn't you do more with them or are you planning on doing more with them? I, we got, I think that ball is still on the playing court somewhere. Yeah, I don't know who's got it, but they dropped it. <laughs> we got ghosted. I cut a promo on the Briscoes uh, on Twitter a few weeks after because I was shoot hot because the person that we were in contact with, no, we didn't get a text that said, good job, thank you, nothing. And didn't answer our text. Didn't Weird. answer. Yeah, completely ghosted. So it was like, I would have just wanted a, I just wanted to thank you because it was great. Yeah. Cause we went out there and there were six people, six other people in that match. Very formidable dudes. Like guys that could have, it could have been an eight on two ass kicking. Yeah. We put our lives on the line for that. We didn't even get a goddamn thank you. That's what I mean, pissed you, me off the most. We could have been, because they didn't Gil, know what was going on. Nobody. So they could have beat the shit out of us. Six I'm, on two. So they didn't know you guys were going to be out Brother, there? When I not, tell you. Not, not that I, I know. Gotta, I got to tell you, this is a shoot, Chris. There was three people in the whole company of Sinclair and the guys on the roster Ring working, Honor, Ring of Honor, that knew that was happening. Hmm. Three total people. But and anyway, security thought it was a part of the show oh, sure. and they were not smartened up. So it that lo- should have been broken looked, up way sooner. It looked like we a shoot. All, we all yeah, thought. Thank it, you. That was, you know, I, I've been in the business for 30 all, years and I was almost wondering, like, did they do it again? Because I know we'll talk about the SummerSlam thing you did. I think, did they actually show up? Survivor and, Series. Are they, uh, Survivor Series. Are they I mean, trying to get show up, trying to get rolling? Made, so basically, like, no one. No one knew. Not, and, uh, how do you work the boys? None of the boys can. Don't tell them, right? How do you so, work the crowd? Nobody can. No in the back. So what got me really angry was Enzo and Cass trended number one worldwide on Twitter. Okay. Now, we trended number one worldwide over the WWE Hall of Fame, over Bret Hart getting attacked, wow. over the G1 Supercard itself, and the NCAA Final Four. We trended number one worldwide for whatever amount of time it was. Okay. We trended number one worldwide, and our segment wasn't even broadcasted. It wasn't so on TV. Was, by word of mouth, and video fan shot videos we trended number one worldwide over all those things i don't understand how a few fans complaining on twitter like could cause someone to be like nah let's not you use are them. a mark I, I, it's just it's you gotta blocking. be a mark if well, the you thing get is, worked by the fans that are typing on Twitter, you're a mark. But, but right now, I mean, and this is no offense, and then Bubba, Bubba Bully Ray will tell you, Ring of Honor is not hot right now. 
They need a spark. They that's need why, some guys. That's why. They and if the it. people don't like you because you're not Ring of Honor quality or whatever well, it was, they didn't like. That's it. the heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the heat. Thank that's you. The I was about to say it, and you just stole the. I'm Mr. Five Star Match. I'm a one star match. I'm still going to kick your ass. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know and they don't like us uh, because uh, the idiot fans or the smart marks will say their work rate isn't high enough. Bro, the they, ne- they never had a five star match. They talk too much, whatever. But we got that type of reaction where it wasn't even on television. All these other things were on television, and we trended number one worldwide. And then our next appearance that was scheduled, I'll say it, was we were supposed to be at the next show in Chicago, War of the Worlds or something like that. Mm -hmm. That was our next appearance. Got ghosted. Then I saw pictures from that event and... I don't know. Attendance seemed like it, it wasn't very good but for that show. Down. It is. So I was just like, I was kind of mad. I was like, mind, mm. it, it was mind blowing to me why we got ghosted and why like we never got brought I back. I think people's feelings genuinely got hurt. I think they genuinely got hurt, which to me, I'm working, bro. Well, the guys, like, don't, got, a, guys don't like to have the wool pulled over their eyes where, where if, they, oh, if, yeah. if they didn't know... They would. I'd be very resentful if the Booker didn't tell me you guys are going to be there. Yeah. Now, would I be mad at you guys personally? Of course not. You guys are there to do a gig and, and get a reaction. It's not your fault unless they went. Thank you. You know, I mean, who knows the politics of this business? But I do know this, more importantly, that money is money. Thank and you. And I think you guys could make some money with them. And I think you... you well, you, the Briscoes. I mean, yeah. the tag match that should Dude, happen. They, they would work with ago. you in a second. They're, they're not they going like, to not yeah, want to work Those are you. two of the toughest dudes I ever met. Yeah, and crazy too. They're fucking yeah, nuts. And crazy, yeah. I mean, you got to know that though. When you watched that G1 Supercard, there was four guys that were hands down willing to have a real fist fight in Madison Square Garden. That was the point. It that was, was the point. Just Let's know. have a fucking real fight. And whatever Bro, happens. You two guys in the Briscoes. Whatever happens to us, happens. You get knocked out. I get knocked out. He gets knocked out. That's going to make it great. It was It was pretty much. Uh, Agreement to have a, a- Agreement, agreement without without talking to each other mm-hmm. without ever seeing each other without ever talking to each other when this match is over if you see enzo and Cass on the side of that apron and they throw beer at you that means it's on mm-hmm. and that's all that needed to be said because those guys know how to make money mm-hmm. they know what money looks like mm-hmm. the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Just quickly, you got to tell me the story about when you did the thing at the Survivor Series. Oh, that's one of the funniest things that's I ever mean- happened to me in my <laughs> life, hands down. I don't care what anybody says, because you know, you were the you were one of the first people to hit me back about that. Yeah. And why did it pop you? Because you thought of the instant reaction that Vince McMahon had yeah. sitting there in that computer. when yeah. he, he loses his mind when he sneezes. Because he lost control. He lost control. He hates, you know, the, the thing that he hates is when, you know, people now that the thing where they wave big faces in the crowd like they have a giant head of somebody yeah, 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 yeah. those get taken away instantly so yeah. you sitting in the crowd i could just envision oh, it's like a wow. hundred giant heads to him yeah yep. so, so tell me how you got that going what'd so, you do i they had called me a week before bro and really yeah you would know better than i would is that oh one number vince's office because that i don't know uh, 86 
This is the last four. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> 203, whoa. 612. Yeah. Edit, edit, <laughs> edit, edit, edit that. That's, that's not the number, by the way. Yeah, yeah no, so, not at all. So you got a number. So somebody called me from the WWE, and it might have been Vince. Uh, it was the office's number plus one. Hmm. So is, that's the first number outside of the generic office number. I don't know who it is. Maybe they're calling me to tell me hey, we got some copyright issues or something. <laughs> or maybe they're calling me to bring me back or something. But I had a few people in the office contact me about a month prior about coming back. Uh, would I be interested or like where, where my head at? Hmm. Like, hell no. I'm in a different headspace. I'm not trying to come back. I had bought Survivor Series tickets, that second row seat, about a month and a half prior. So I knew I was doing it. So by the time they called me, it was, do I answer this call or do I show up at their pay-per-view? Right. <laughs> and I knew, like I said, I wanted to book myself back into pro wrestling and I wanted to be the NWO. But how do you do that in 2019 and make it real and make it interesting and make the world buzz well, let's throw a wig on. and So people, bro, Chris, when I walked into the arena, there were people who recognized me. And I pretended I had a disability, God forgive me, <laughs> to make it awkward so that you wouldn't stare at me. I was making a weird face. I had a crutch in one arm. I was I had this wig on. So me and my homie. It was the worst wig ever. Oh, God. So bad. That picture of me of his all time. That selfie I took right before like, I went in. My favorite to... part is, I don't know if people pop for it much, but I screenshot it. My Uber driver to the venue's name was Jesus. And I was like, Jesus, take the wheel, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you should just wear a mask or something. Oh, it's wrestling. You can get away I know, that. dude. I know. So I'm sitting in the second row, and I wanted to come out when the cruiserweights came out. You know what I mean? But I didn't know when that match was. Mm. And I got into the arena, dude, and as I was walking, people were like, hey, is that and they Staples Center, right? Staples yeah. Center, which is also Madison Square Garden. Sure. Staples Center, which two venues did I do? Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, I, I planted those seeds. But I already, I already had conversations about Madison Square Garden that weren't it wasn't about me getting involved in the card as much as it was like throwing my name in the hat. Mm -hmm. um, so when I did Survivor Series, dude, Lisa came running up because... Okay, so you're you're in the crowd. You're I'm in the crowd and I, my brother-in-law texts me screenshots of Twitter of people that are tweeting screenshots of their TV and my face Enzo's with the wig here, on. Yeah. Enzo's here. So I know in a moment's time... I'm not going to have enough time to do the cruiserweight match. And the office is tipped off about this. Yeah, sooner or later, yeah. So I got to go. Wow. I got to stand up and rip this wig off. And I stand up and rip the wig off and start doing my dance. And I don't know what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> but Lisa comes over and grabs me and rips me down, right? Now, Lisa is a security guard. And, and Vince she, is brilliant. Yeah, and she's a bad motherfucker. She's Dude, a bad motherfucker. But bad. More importantly, Vince, why does he hire a woman security? You know what he's going to punch a woman? You ain't going to punch a woman. Right. And meanwhile, if you did, she'd knock you the fuck out. Yeah, right. But I, I don't want no one, Lisa, yeah, dog. Yeah. So Lisa rips me down the chair, but what happens is she rips me into the back. Mm. And police and security are coming from every angle. But I showed them my ticket. I purchased my ticket. I'm a law-abiding citizen and a fan. I did not break any laws. You're right, yeah. And I knew that I didn't break any laws. Now, with that being said... If you knew that you were not going to break any laws and you are a pro wrestler and you have the ability to trend number one in the world over Survivor Series, over Brock Lesnar, over the main event, and know that Vince has no control 
and it's his product and you're not even on it. And the next day, Monday, when they go over all those Twitter statistics and they're sitting in that room full of writers, they don't have a choice but to talk about it. Right. Yeah. And I win. Right. So when I get pulled backstage, Lisa immediately grabs me and goes, you got to go to see Vince. <laughs> what? So you can punch me? <laughs> Wait. So you want me to walk by the boys' locker room right now <laughs> and go see Vincent Gorilla? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gorilla. okay. So I look at her, hold my ticket up, and I go, Lisa, I don't work here. <laughs> yeah. And the cops are coming from both sides. And I look at her and she's holding my shirt and it's, it's stretching. <laughs> and I go, You know I'm a good person. And she kind of looks at me like almost like tears welled up. And she's like, You're right. And she let go of my shirt and I sprinted out the side door of the arena as the cops were closing in on me. Oh my gosh. And the Uber was waiting for me outside. There was two fans that got the most incredible picture because two fans were late for the show and they were walking in and they're like, wait a second. Is that Enzo Amore? And I'm like, so disheveled because I just came running out. And I'm like, yeah, man, let's take a picture. I don't know if I've ever been tagged in it, but if that kid's listening, bro, you got a great photo. Did you ever hear anything from the office after that? The next day, a company-wide memo went out to anybody who was in the office to tell them not to talk to me, to not do business with me. And the next day, my picture was pasted all over the Staples Center and told not to let me into the arena. And I was like, dude, if I go tonight, I'm the biggest legend ever. But I, I, I just couldn't do it. Did you uh, see this or hear about it? I didn't. This is uh, at the point in time where gotcha. I completely checked out on life. Gotcha, gotcha. So I, I wasn't watching wrestling. I wasn't watching football. I, I was for the thrill of everything. The thrill of getting away with something like that. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, oh, yeah, bro. Yeah. There's no greater feel when you're like 14, you're running. And, you know, you're running from danger because maybe you just threw a rock through a window and you're just running, you know? That was what I lived for. What, um, so, so I can tell, obviously, you guys are both motivated. You're excited to be back together. You look great. So what's kind of the, the goal right now? The goal right now is, man, I'm going to let life, I'll talk for myself personally. Uh, I'm going to let life come to me. I mean, I, I sought the help that I needed to seek. Uh, I'm doing great mentally. Uh, the best I felt mentally since I could remember. Mm. Physically, I'm in the best shape of my life, hands down. Um, and, you know, making good money, doing independent bookings and signings and enjoying life. And, like, I could do what I want. Like, I'll say, it's like, never been better. Today's Monday. If I was under contract, I couldn't have flown to Tampa right. and, and come done the podcast. Right. So like yeah. I can do what I want and go see people that I want to see. So really right now, after everything I went through and almost, you know, losing my life, like I'm just enjoying life, letting life come to me. But in terms of professionally, I got myself in the best shape of my life for a reason. I want to be back in wrestling. I'm going to take as many bookings as I can work as many matches as I can get the experience that I need to become a better performer because ultimate goal is to be back in WWE or to get signed with another company, a big company. Mm. That's my goal. And, um, you know, uh, I believe I that know doesn't I, mean tomorrow, right? I'm going to be like, I said, I have plenty of money saved up. Like I am patient. I don't need to rush anything. And in terms of like, you know, my look and everything, I believe it, it came from you actually, uh, Dallas was telling me, you know, he was talking to you about me and you told him, man, just tell him to switch everything up. I don't want to see like the big cast gear. I don't want to see him in like boots and trunks. Like tell him to switch everything up. Maybe not what it's. Thank you, Chris. Pretty, pretty much everything you told Dallas, you said, maybe 
Maybe something different with his Chris hair. Is Don't, a, no, Chris is low key, like pointed our careers in directions. Yeah. Saying. I'm always watching. Maybe Enzo yeah. should be a cruiserweight. So, so, yeah. So, so I'm you all t- usually right. So you told him like none of that gear, and you said tell him to do something different with his hair. You know, maybe not wet because he always had it wet in WWE, and like mm. so pretty much I now. I wear what I would wear if I went out to hang out with my buddies, except I don't wear a shirt. I wear Timberland boots, jeans, and uh, I keep my hair down and dry. And it's it's a different look. And that's Still the, a hell of a damn. Th- th- but that me- <laughs> that means something, though. I think when 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 you're telling people that you've made a change, yeah, it's not just in your work rate or your attitude. People can't see an attitude. They can see what you look like. Yeah, they can see what your ring outfit is. They can see what your hair is. And I know like whenever I changed heel and baby face or change companies, even I would do a completely different thing. Cause I don't want to be Y2J from 20 years ago. You want to be updated and new, which then lets people know that you're serious about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and it all, it, the, the gear was, was a big priority and then getting my body in shape uh, was, was a huge priority. And yeah, the tan, is always going to be there. You can never be tan enough. Um, but um, yeah, Enzo posted that picture on Twitter, which was like a side by side of me from November oh, wow. and me from a few weeks ago. And it's if you look at that picture, you're like someone lit a fire, someone or something lit a fire under this motherfucker's ass because he it's a different person. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just want to prove myself to everybody that that I'm taking this very seriously. Mm. Uh, getting my body in shape, getting my look different and working as much as possible, taking every booking that comes my way um, to get more experience. So that's what I'm doing. Are you guys together on all these bookings? Are you, yeah. Do yeah. some well, on your own? I, uh, we, first, do, we, we do some together. I do some on my own. So He works a lot. Yeah. Cass works a lot. He gets in the ring a lot. Mm. I mean, not so much. <laughs> but what do you want to do, though? Uh, that, that's a good question, right? I don't think that I ever saw any of this coming. You know, to be honest, like I, I, there's a lot of things that I want to do, but, um, you know, I'm very content with my wrestling career in the WWE. So when I looked at it in retrospect, coming off the heels of Madison Square Garden and what maybe could come next, I was on uh, live events with big cast working in the indies. Now, shout out Michael Lombardi. Um, great Michael guy. Lombardi, great guy, great man. Was it um, any Northeast wrestling? Northeast N-E-W? wrestling, man. He does a great job does an outstanding job and he's a dusty Rhodes guy and so are me and big Cass. you know what i mean um his mentor in the business was dusty Rhodes, and uh mike has been booking Cass and i on autograph signings and i was on a handful of those not wrestling not in the ring not on a microphone not a part of the show just signing autographs at a wrestling show beforehand Cass works a match later on that day and i just would sit backstage and watch and talk to the boys it was in that moment talking to the boys that i realized holy shit i have a quite a bit to offer here you know Mm. like you don't know it you know how would i know chris i was in the wwe for six years first match i ever had first ring i ever got into first bump i ever took and that was the only way i ever knew or learned when you go to the indies there's kids that are so hungry and thirsty for knowledge and they just want to know what it's like up there mm-hmm. and you don't even know that how the hell would i know that i never worked the indies in my life you started there right so yeah. you're not going to know any difference, i have no right? idea so i go to the indies and a kid like brian pillman jr comes up to me wants me to watch his match you know ask me a few questions kids that are having a tag match just little intricacies 
baby faces. When you kick out, turn to your stomach. <laughs> turn to your side. Don't lay on your back. If I'm a heel, why aren't I pinning you? Mm -hmm. Just little things, bro. Like, right. don't blow your baby faces comeback if you're taking the heat and a tag. Mm -hmm. Evade. Move out of the buckle and tag his ass. Mm -hmm. And you don't even realize you have this knowledge. You're working with Chris Jericho. You're working with you know guys on top. Mm -hmm. How the f do you not learn? So here I am, and now all of a sudden, I'm in the ring with Brian Pillman Jr. having a match last Friday. Absolute freedom mm -hmm. to do whatever I want. Moves, match, calling it out there, you know, and it was probably one of the coolest things that I've ever had happen to me in my wrestling career. And now a new spark has been laid under my ass. It's like, wait a second. I don't have Vince or Hunter yelling at a producer, a referee telling me what to do, giving me time cues, telling me what camera to work. You know, I know when the fucking red light's on. I'll find that motherfucker. A writer handing you a promo. Exactly. So this past time I wrestled on Friday night, like you said, Chris, I've seen you reinvent yourself so many times. Cass just slightly reinvented himself with a new look. How was I going to reinvent myself? Well, this was just a one-off match because the last match I had was at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center the night before the 25th anniversary of Raw. And it was the main event of the Cruiserweight division, first and only ever tour. And I was like, dude, right. I'm done. Like, I, can't, I can't beat that. I'll never be able to beat that. Well, here we are at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center, the same place that I had my last wow. match. <laughs> and Mike offers me this opportunity to pick my opponent and have a match and I loved Pillman's father. Mm -hmm. I mean, Brian Pillman was one of my favorites from Flying Brian to the Loose Cannon and the whole angle with the gun and Austin and shit. Dude. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I came out to no music, uh, a lot of Raven comparisons because I had wet hair and a leather jacket on. But um, I didn't say a word in the match to the fans. I didn't run out backwards. I was not Enzo Amore whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I just locked up and had a wrestling match. And I mean, I locked up and had a wrestling match and it was like there was no people there because I was just working with a kid and it was more about him. Mm -hmm. Listen to these people. We're coming up when the people come. We're going to go down when the people, you know, think that we're going to go up. We're going to, mm -hmm. you know, not reinvent the wheel here. We worked a headlock. I worked a headlock the entire match. Old school, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. I had a headlock match. And there was no comeback. It was just two two falsies. He got one, I got one. Go home. And he learned more in that match than he did in any other matches that he's had because we didn't call it in the back. Mm -hmm. We didn't do a million things in the back. You know, if I run tackle, drop down, leapfrog, hip toss, drop kick, I just powder. This isn't the WWE anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about the next spot. When I lock up, why'd you lock up twice? Go behind. Take a risk. No, I locked up five times in that match. Well, that's the thing, because you have more, like, I'm sure you felt that too, Cass, being on the indies. You have the freedom to be the artist that you are or the artist that oh, you want to be. And you could try things out. Right. In WWE on live television, you can't just try something out. So now I can do something, whether it's a mannerism or yelling something. And if it's the shits, then I'm like, well, not doing that again. Yeah, anyway. But if it's good, I'll, I'll try it the next time. And something that I've started doing is uh, I'm just after what happened at the garden you know going off of that i'm just showing up on random independence and just destroying people mm -hmm. so pretty much uh, i've done it three times so far is um i'll talk to the promoter and again i'll show up in a rental car in in gear ready to go 
get a text from the promoter when to come into the building, hop the rail, do my deal, cut a promo, you know, put the promotion over and then rehop the rail, leave the building right away and hop back in my rental and leave. <laughs> I, I, and I've really enjoyed doing that because <laughs> it's, it's fun as shit. Just showing up on a, any, I'm having, it could happen anywhere. Dude, I'm having the time I live in these locker rooms. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Jerry Lawler's still in there, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Booker T's still over there in the corner. John Moxley's right over there. How did you like working Mox a couple weeks ago? And awesome. That was where I got my itch. Gotcha. Because I was sitting ringside. Well, he's a guy that's been rejuvenated by leaving as well, more bro, than anybody. that was watching them work. But more importantly, listening to the conversation after the match and the exuberance in John Moxley and Big Cass. It was really good, man. I need, I, I yeah. It was so, so good, man. I, I, I need, I, I needed that. That was a great John Moxley impression, Jericho. It was really good, man. It's crazy. I, I lived with him for two years. Oh, he was wow. my roommate in Tampa. Okay. Yeah, he was my roommate in FCW for two years. I was in the same company as him. Try to imagine him explaining the box. I've been in the same company with him for five years, FCW all the way through WWE. I had never faced him, not in a tag match, not in a six-man tag, mm. an eight-man tag, one-on-one, not even in a practice match at FCW. I'd never faced him, and we lived together for two years. That's so strange. Yeah, know. and it's so crazy. So then, like, when I got the opportunity to wrestle him, you know, one-on-one, uh, in one of his first indie matches back and one of my first indie matches back. It was awesome. Yeah, and, and again, like, yeah, you know, the low voice, but, he, you know, maybe I will call, you know, he pretty much we just, I just went out there and listened to him because mm -hmm. that's what he wanted to do. Like, we had some stuff called, but, yeah, I just listened to the guy. But next to nothing called because yeah. I was there. Yeah. And it was something brand new to my eyes. I had been in the business for six years blinded by the light that is the WWE. <laughs> Uh, as as we wind down here, like I said, it, 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 there's so many opportunities now because the business is, is the rising tide raises all the boats. You know, so there's a lot of options I think for you guys and, and places that you can go and places you can work. You have the name value, you have the experience, you have the following. I still think it's just a matter of time before WWE calls you guys to come back. It just seems like you're such an act created by them. And plus, Vince loves second chances. They didn't make me who I am. They found me like this, dog. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, it, it seems it seems to me that you guys are doing a lot what Eddie Guerrero did when he got fired. Similar for what you got fired for, Cass, just losing his f***ing mind. Yeah. And he went back. Finley did it, too, when he got fired for playing the national anthem or whatever it was. You go back to the indies, you show what you can do, you show that you still care, you earn that respect back, and then you'll get the call. Yeah, and, and we're not tied down. You know, Enzo has so many opportunities in, in other forms of entertainment. Sure, yeah. And it's so he gets called by WWE to go back by himself. I'll be cheering his ass on from my right. living room every Monday. If it's the other way around, he'll be cheering my ass on. And if it's New Japan, AEW, any big company that calls one of us, you know, if we don't get called together, like... We're going to be, you know, fully supportive of yeah. the other person. Yeah. And I think that I had no idea that you could make more money on the indies <laughs> than you could in the WWE. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even joking. No, like, I, I that to me yeah. was mind blowing because mm -hmm. I went 572 days in between matches and like <laughs> not taking bookings. And yeah. I'm like, how much money did I leave on the table? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's one of those things, like I said, because there's so many opportunities and places to go. So, Last couple questions for you. What's your favorite match that you had uh, as Enzo and Cass? Is the one that stands out? London. 
London or or, yeah. or Roadblock Toronto. With, yeah, Roadblock Dash and Dawson. A- anytime we work Dash and Dawson, mm-hmm. those guys can't have a bad match. Yeah, you know Dash is a great dude, man. Yeah, yeah. man, those guys are both great dudes. Opening up SummerSlam with you and Kevin in our hometown in front mm-hmm. of friends and family. That was oh, that's yeah. That was in New York. It was in Barclays Center, yeah, right? That yeah. Was awesome. yeah, that was a cool finish. We almost killed you on that code breaker. It was awesome, <laughs> awesome. Who was that one promo we did? Where you said, "Who do you think you are, Santa Claus?" Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> Chris. Chris. That was Cincinnati. No. I remember putting that together. And you said, "Yeah, maybe I am. I'll come down there and well, sit on your lap." That is the, the best. And I was like, no, no, no. It was in Cali, right? No, it was in Cincinnati. Positive. Yeah. And I remember, yeah. And then I was like, first of all, you sit on Santa's like, it doesn't matter. You just said you're going to come sit on my lap. You called me a hip hop hobbit in in Anaheim. And I couldn't, I had to, I had to fucking try to keep a straight face. I think I just popped. You you guys, oh, being a. You guys uh, were so easy to work with because you have such great characters. It was always a blast to go out there, especially as a baby face, to kind of play the, you know, I'll just come sit in your lap. And you said you were something. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You said, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. What about uh, on your own singles matches? Working with Brian on house show main events was awesome. With Brian, uh, Daniel, Daniel Bryan. Bryan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, my match with him at Money in the Bank in Chicago, my last television match before my firing. Uh, that comes to mind. That stands out. I love that match. Yeah. yeah. How could you not have a good match with him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I main evented Monday Night Raw on a lumberjack match for the Cruiserweight title. But the interesting tidbit about that is that day, Neville didn't show up to work. Hmm. So he called me. I mean, if you know, you only know this because you're backstage. Me and Neville are best friends. Your best friends. Yeah. We, oh, I mean, we drive together. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What I'm, a strange mix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Isn't that right, funny? Yeah, yeah. So me and Neville are best friends, and the world has no idea. Yeah. No idea. So the whole 205 Live thing was pre-planned by me and him. Mm. Driving around, in making towns, talking about what we wanted to do, and what was the goal of it for him, though? He just came off the heels of working the busiest schedule in pro wrestling. Because you remember, Neville was getting booked on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Raw, and then flying on to SmackDown when everybody else went home from Raw. So he was burnt out, bro. Mm-hmm. He was burnt out. He wanted to get off 205 Live and start working guys on the main roster that were in big spots. And when he had the conversation with Vince, when he uh, lost the title to me at No Mercy, Vince said, I'm going to keep you in 205 Live. And that was not the plan. Mm. So Neville was like, well, no, I'm not staying in 205 Live and I'm not turning babyface because he wanted him to work face against me being heel. Mm. And the goal for me was to keep Neville face. And then when he drops a title to me, he doesn't get a rematch because of the clause in a contract I have that says he can or whatever. So he goes to the main roster. When he wasn't going to the main roster, he just didn't show up to Raw. And I was the only one talking to him that day. So I knew he wasn't there. And I get the script handed to me. Neville and Enzo in the main event of Monday Night Raw. Mm -hmm. Neville's not even there. Mm. All the writers are walking around backstage. (laughs) Just, you know, going about their day. I walk up to Ryan Ward and catering. I'm like, hey, man, so what are we going to do tonight? And he's like, oh, it's you and Neville in the main event. I'm like, yeah, but he ain't here. (laughs) He's like, excuse me? They run into Vince's office. Complete panic changed the entire show about 30 minutes before five minutes before they let the doors open to the arena 
all the cruiserweights are around the ring and we're going over the finish to the new Kalisto joining 205 Live Lumberjack match <laughs> that was just put together because Neville didn't come. Wow. And my I was supposed to hold the title straight to Mania. Instead, I dropped it to Kalisto that night to win it back at the next pay-per-view because we needed to pop the crowd. Something needed to happen yeah. in that main event. So That was it. And uh, I worked that Lumberjack match. It was the biggest cluster put together, and we pulled it off. And the ovation Kalisto got at the end of that match when he beat me to hit his finish off that top rope let me know, like, I'm doing good business. Right, right. And that, to me, was the ultimate. Like, well, I think you're going to do some great business upcoming. I think you might want to change your name to Esteban Apples. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Watch what happens here. Little favorite Springsteen song. Oh, my. Love Brilliant it. disguise. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You didn't go the river. I went no. to uh, Joan Jett the other night. And she played uh, Light of Day. Oh, yeah. That's who, who have you team. not seen? Because you Dude, saw Adam a, Lambert and Queen yeah, last night? Yeah, it's been the craziest week. I saw Hart and Joan Jett on Saturday. I saw Queen and Adam Lambert last night. Bro, yeah. I saw a video of you rocking out at a concert, <laughs> yes. bro. Kiss in the garden, yeah. right? Front, front it row. was incredible <laughs> it was so good when i saw that video I, oh oh man dude thank you so much for, for coming here man thank so, you chris uh, thank awesome. you man it, uh, it means the world to us and uh we appreciate you what like i said when i walked onto the property here you got a beautiful estate off taking flatbacks it's what me and <laughs> me and Cass can only aspire to do yeah but more importantly than anything I, next time I come here, I need to see a goat roaming around the property. <laughs> I will get one. A fainting goat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>